I'm not ready to make a season prediction yet. There's plenty enough time, and we still need to see, or at least I still need to see, the final roster before spitting out any kind of numbers. But, man, those first three games. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of the other two teams I cover in town, the Penguins and the Pirates. The first game, of course, and we talk about this a lot, is against the defending AFC champion Bengals. And it's at Paul Brown Stadium where the games have been challenging and dramatic, arguably the most dramatic that any this franchise has participated in over the past decade, even before the Bengals were any good. Now, add to that that Joe Burrow will be a year older, a year smarter, and another year removed from his major knee injury, and add into it that the Bengals have fortified the offensive line, which had been seen, and rightly so, as their weakness, even into the Super Bowl, into the last play of the Super Bowl, if you want to get specific. And they've got a better defense than what most seem to recognize. It'll be a big, big challenge. This is known. This is discussed a lot within the nation. What doesn't seem to come up as often is what follows immediately. And that's the home opener against the Patriots. Now, I can think of a lot of different circumstances in which I'd be okay with facing Bill Belichick minus Tom Brady. But this isn't one of them, because what's going to happen in the opener is even if the Steelers perform well, they're going to spill out, you know, the whole playbook. This isn't going to be one of those that Mike Tomlin can afford to have stuff in his, uh, what did he call it? His hip pocket. Remember that? No, it's AFC North. It's the beginning of the season. It's the conference champ. You're letting it all fly. And as such, whatever it is that they try to keep secret from the Bengals through the preseason or whatever they might be trying to keep secret in week two from Belichick, uh uh-uh, no. And that in and of itself is going to present a challenge, particularly for the Steelers' offense. And then you get to week three, which is against the Browns, who absolutely won't have Deshaun Watson at quarterback, but they'll still have those two running backs. They'll still have, uh, I don't know what to say about their defense. The defense is good up front, except that Miles Garrett never really shows up when he faces Pittsburgh, and it's weak in the back, but it's been weak in the back mostly because of injuries to Denzel Ward and those guys. And, and, and Ward and these other ones, you'd have to presume at some point or other in their careers are going to be healthy. So the Browns up there at night, main event, yeah. That one's a challenge, too. And what I can't help but wonder, if I'm being just honest with you here, not looking to be a downer or whatever, is what happens if the Steelers were to lose all three of those games? How would you expect Tomlin, in particular, to react? This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying 
Whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. I have all kinds of dramatic possibilities that I could put forth here as to how Tomlin would respond to an 0-3 start. I could go back to that one year that he started 0-4, with the fourth loss being in London to a Minnesota team that had also entered that game 0-3. I was over there at Wembley Stadium. I had never seen Tomlin so contrite, so humbled, and not in the good way. Not like, oh, this is such a humbling moment for me to win this award or whatever. No, I meant humbled, as in put in his place. And to his credit and to the credit of that pretty good roster that they still had, if you look at the players who were there, this, of course, being the 2013 season, they did at least bounce back for a 500 season and competed toward making the playoffs, though they fell short. This this would be different, and it would be different based mostly on, well, if you think about what that 2013 team was, you still had you know, Ben Roethlisberger and Troy Palomalo, Heath Miller. I mean, there's just stars all over the place. So you didn't doubt for a second that they could. You were just stunned in the moment that they were in this insane hole. I don't think that would be the case here. I really don't. I think you would see Tomlin look to make a significant change. And there is, of course, no more significant change that you can make to a football team than at quarterback. So if Mitch Trubisky is the starter for the opener, as I think we're all expecting, and the team loses all three of those games, and he doesn't exactly rise above the rest in the process, even if he doesn't flat out stink, even if it isn't his fault, I could see that right there being where the leash gets tugged and maybe all the way pulled. Because by then, Kenny Pickett will have had rookie camp, OTAs, mini camp, a full training camp, a full preseason. Well, they only play three games now, but he's going to participate, you'd think, in all three. And then on top of that, there'd be a whole month of at least being around the team in regular season settings and NFL stadiums and all that other stuff that coaches fret over when they bring somebody into the league. He'll also have had a month's worth of practice, real practice, in-week practice, drop-dead serious practice. Very different than camp settings. And on top of that, he'd come with the intangible that Tomlin would need, and I think the whole team would need, to say, hey, let's just start over. Let's start over. Let's press the reset button here and just pretend those first three games never happened. Our franchise quarterback is now ready. He's going to wipe the slate clean and... Get us a big W against, you ready for the punchline? The New York Jets. That's right. That's what you need in order to clear the slate and make everybody feel good about themselves. So Mitch goes out there and he beats the Jets because any of the quarterbacks on the roster could beat the Jets. 
and there's a fresh, fun, new feel to everything. Everyone's going, see, we told you, Tomlin, you needed to take that bum out, and you did, and you listened to us, so now the fans feel righteous after their indignance, and this is just awesome, and here we go. But do I want to predict that they're going to start 0-3? No, I don't want to do that either. I'm just throwing it out there because that's what's on the schedule when we come back, J1Q. time for just one question and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of luxembourg garvin kelly and george lgkg they represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need assistance with workers comp and medical malpractice claims the attorneys at lgkg have been designated super lawyers capital s capital l for the past 15 years and yes that is a real thing the super lawyer designation is reserved for the top five percent of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. And today's J1Q comes from David who asks, are you going to watch the running backs too? There has to be an actual number two who can get more than a yard. For anybody who doesn't know what David's referencing, yesterday's show was about things that I'd like to watch in camp. Areas of focus before I get out to the field area and start paying attention. It helps to do that, as I was explaining on that episode, rather than to just stand there and watch the way you would as a fan and just kind of let stuff hit you. I'm going for specifics. And no, I didn't mention running backs, and there's two reasons for that. Uh, One, the only running back who's worth watching on the roster is 22. Two, the best place to watch running backs at this time of year is in the actual preseason games. It might be the one position more than any other that allows for the fairest evaluation, meaning closest to an actual NFL game. And that applies whether it's happening in the first quarter or even the fourth, because there's guys out there, including in the trenches, who are playing for their literal football lives in those situations. Every play, and they know it, gets put on tape. In some cases, for the guys who never continue with the sport, it's there for posterity. They're trying really, really hard to tackle the other team's fourth or fifth string running back. But I'm sorry, I can't get worked up about analyzing Benny Snell. We've seen a fair amount of Snell, and I'm underlining the word fair there. Because although he hasn't been any kind of regular starter, obviously he's had some spot work in that sense, he's been out there a lot, and he's been used in different situations. He's been used as a feature back. He's been used as a goal line back. He's even been used as a third down back at times, which I've never understood, but he has. And but for the rarest of occasions, though they did exist, he hasn't gotten it done. Now, to his credit... He's become a very good special teams performer, and that's probably the main reason he's going to be assured of getting an NFL paycheck for a while. But as a running back, no, no. Anthony McFarland, I don't even know what to think of, honestly. 
I get what the Steelers found intriguing about him when he was at Maryland. I get the Tomlin slash Maryland connection. And I get that this team has lacked a breakaway type runner, someone who can just find grass and keep running toward more grass until they get to the end zone for a long time now. I mean, might be talking about Fast Willie here. But I have not ever seen that translate to anything real. And when you add on top of that McFarland's lack of availability, look, I'm not getting into the UDFAs either, okay? I know there are a couple of them that excite people. Let's see if they perform at all in NFL exhibitions before even getting into those guys. In my mind, there are two positions left on this roster that need to be filled, and that would be backup running back, backup outside linebacker. And it's probably in that order because I can at least list a couple of potential backup outside linebackers, notably Jannard Avery, Derek Tuska, guys who can at least come in and spell T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. But my running back count stops at one. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers today all week long. Oh, my goodness. It won't be much longer now until we have actual football to discuss.